Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand as I read a story from Luke chapter 17. Luke 17. And in that 17th chapter of Luke, there is a story that if you were raised in Sunday school or Bible school or whatever, uh, as a little child, you probably were told this story. And it involves 10 people. And these 10 people meet Jesus one day. One of them is completely changed. The other nine, they're partially changed. We're going to look at that story as we begin the new year and see what does God have to say to us about being made whole. Most people, when they pray for a new year, they or wish a happy new year to someone, they'll say something like, May the Lord bless you with good health. And uh, that's a good wish. Especially if we know what it is. What is good total health? What does it mean, mind, body, and spirit, to be healthy? We're going to look at that. And we're going to take this story, and it will come alive, I hope, to you. And we'll give you some things to take home with you that will help you whether you're uh, young or middle-aged or old. I just found out I'm one day older than Lori Cole, and I am so glad that, uh, <laughs> that I found that out. It makes me feel a whole lot better. But I know that we have a word from God today, and I'm grateful for uh, the word shared every time the church meets on Wednesday, Sunday, whatever. That's what we're here for. We're to love God and love people. And we're thankful that you're here. Now let's stand. I want to read to you from the 17th chapter of Luke. And for our guests, we're standing out of respect to the Word of God. We believe the Bible to be the inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word of God. When God says it, we accept it by faith and believe it and make an effort to apply its teaching to our lives. So... From the 17th chapter of the Gospel according to Luke, verse 11. I'll read through the 19th verse. And it came to pass, as Jesus went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices, and they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at Jesus' feet and gave him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There, there are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger from Samaria. And he said unto him, Rise and go your way. 
because your faith has made you whole. Let's talk about that for a moment. Would you be seated? Father, would you bless us now as we think about you and your word and how it applies to our life. In Jesus' name, amen. 2014. It's yet to be determined what this year holds for each of us. We never know what another day is going to bring. It's been now a little over 2,000 years since hope was born. 2,000 years ago in a world that had already become quite mixed up, confused, there was sent one from God, his only son. The word became flesh in order that those that were hopeless could be filled with hope and anticipation and looking forward to what the next day would bring. When God sent his son, he sent him in a way that whosoever will could be changed. But that would be the decision of the person to which the gift would be offered. Some have followed obediently the teachings of Jesus as he grew up in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Some have chosen other gods. That's the privilege man has. The one thing that made this God unique was that this hope was crucified, laid down his life, but though he was buried in a borrowed tomb, three days later he rose from the grave. He's alive. No other group can claim a God who's alive. But the days can and the years can bring so many of the unexpected. As I said, I was away from Houston. I was down in South Texas with Beth, and everything bites, stings, sticks, or scratches down there. And uh, most of the time it's quiet. The coyotes howl, and uh, the birds will, the quail will whistle, and the doves will coo, and that kind of thing. But Christmas Eve came, and uh, I went to bed rather early, as I tried to. I'm not a party person. I let everybody else celebrate and read about it the next day. And uh, I went to bed, and of course, midnight, the firecrackers started going off, and so I can't sleep. You know, we're very close to the city, little town of Creso Springs, Texas, and the rockets were going up, and everything was popping, popping, popping. So I get up and enjoy Everybody else burning their money up, you know, and it's just kind of exciting. Uh, and, uh, but again, you go back to bed and you say, well, tomorrow it will be the first day of the new year as first light appears. As first light appeared, I was drinking coffee and stepped out the back, uh, stepped out the back door of the house and I heard sirens going off. One siren, very loud, about two miles away. And uh, in a moment, another one, then another one, then another one. They were not from the same kind of sirens. Some were shrill and some very large. And the story has to do with there were police cars, there were ambulances, there were fire trucks, there were even border patrol cars making their way to a particular spot. I could only pinpoint the area. I did not know until... Several days later, exactly what had happened. But I looked at a newspaper, 
at a convenience store and I saw that as first light came in 2014 in Carrizo Springs, Texas, there was a domestic violence, that's the police word or the government word or society's word for family trouble. And the police were called to a humble little house in that little town. On the way to that house, the policeman that was the first, the constable from the sheriff's department that was uh, en route was met by a car coming around the curb on Highway 83 from Asherton, Texas. It was going at an extraordinary rate of speed. As he saw the car coming at great speed, thinking that others were following him to the domestic violence, he quickly turned on his light, turned around. It's beginning to be first light. And he says, as a paper quoted him as saying, I just saw a bunch of dust flying up in the air as, a, as if a bomb had gone off and, and pieces and debris flying through the air. And a young man, his life was taken as he, they found out later, was leaving that domestic violence in a fit of rage, having partied all night, driving at an incredible rate of speed, had hit head on into a South Texas mesquite tree and life was taken immediately. That's the way that little town began the new year, devastated. None of us know what another day is going to bring. And we talk about being healthy, we talk about being happy, rarely do we talk about being holy, but how good it is when we can come to a moment and see that though most people do not choose to follow Jesus. But some do. Those that do are not in the overwhelming majority, but they're in the very much minority. But those that do follow the Lord in the midst of a rebellious world can find a peace that passes all understanding. Total health is not just being mentally right and physically right, but the Bible talks about the body, the soul, which is the mind, and the spiritual side of man, all three. To be healthy and a total person, good health physically, good health mentally, but it takes good health spiritually. We see today drugs and alcohol. And we hear people that seemingly uh, do not have the common sense to just back away and quit looking just as figures and look at facts and try to determine why. For instance, if you watch the news, you know that marijuana, uh, 1980s, 17% uh, of the people thought that it should not be legalized. Now today, 55% think it should be legalized in a brief period of time. Now, when you look at those figures, people say, well, people are changing their mind. I don't think the people are really changing their mind. I think this is what's happening. A lot of people that were alive in the 1980s are dead in the 2014. That's been 30 years ago. They never changed their mind about things like alcohol and drugs. 
But a new culture comes along and the entertainment world brings a new culture and drugs are fine, alcohol is fine, lust is fine, everything in the world is fine. Older people pass away and the young people can't wait for the older people to pass away. But in the midst of all of that, something terrible is going on. And people are not experiencing total health. They are not coming to the opinions uh, from, uh, the, from facts, nor from common sense, but rather from, the, from their opinions. They have their ideas about violence. For instance, we like to talk about the guns today. And how many guns killed so many people last year? Automatic weapons. That's just every day on the news. And I saw this week where it's in the, like 300 and some other people were killed with automatic weapons last year. Thousands were killed with alcohol. Tens of thousands. Even hundreds of thousands were killed with drugs. But we don't want to talk about that. We want to talk about steel and wood and not the hearts and minds and attitudes of mankind. Because spiritually, there's a great void in our life. The hunger that is for God has left a nation and many, many, many individuals. We listen. It seems like people want a healthy economy. It seems like they want healthy marriages, healthy families, a healthy government, a healthy community, and yes, healthy churches, and of course, healthy bodies. That sounds so good, and yet we do everything it seems to destroy those things and wonder what is going on. The old idea, if you just eat right, exercise a lot, get plenty of rest and drink lots of liquids, you'll just have the perfect life. What you need to do is just change one of those things in your life. But how many people have stopped and thought about the teaching of this little simple story, there's more to complete and total freedom than just what appears on the surface. I want you to hear of, of the prayer of Paul to the people in Thessalonica. I put that in the bulletin. I was reading this one day this past week, and I said, oh God, I want that to be the prayer of my life for those that I love. Here it is, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Hey, it's good for your body to be in good health your mind to be in good health. But what about your spirit? What happens if you get two out of three? Let's go to the story. Go back to the lepers. Where, again, we think about if we have uh, the absence of mental health and emotional and physical sickness, if we don't have those in our life, then we're healthy. And when we do our praying, most of our prayer is dominated by that. I challenge you, the next prayer meeting you're in, where they say, does anyone have a prayer request? I challenge you to read the written prayer request on any Sunday at the church. The overwhelming majority 
have to do with good health mentally and emotionally and physically, but not the spiritual things of God. So look at this story. Leprosy was a very dreaded disease in Bible times. It was a disease where your skin was just sores, so bad if somebody would touch you, they would, they would catch it. And so lepers were, were not allowed to mix and mingle. They were put aside. As you see, when the story starts, it says they were a, a way off when Jesus came to minister to these people. Now this leprosy was all on the skin, but here's the thing you must keep in mind if you study the disease. The disease is not on the skin, it's a blood disease. The way the outside changes is the inside has to change. The blood has to be made pure. And when the blood is made pure, then the blood, which is a healing, and of course it's, a, it's a, the, the river of life, you have to deal with that. All right, all of these guys, were, 10 of them were there. Sores were all over their body. The people knew that they had leprosy, so they put them aside. They knew they had leprosy, and so they stayed together in, in their group, their small group of 10. But there was something taking place that drew their attention. This man, Jesus, he's so different. He makes blind people to see, lame to walk, the deaf to hear. I wonder what would happen if he would touch us. Or if he would minister to us. Well, Jesus healed them, according to the story. Now, when they were healed, now notice this. This is very important for me to make my point this morning. They knew that they were healed, and the people knew they were healed when the leprosy disappeared. They knew it. They didn't think so. They didn't hope so. They didn't wonder if. These people had been touched by Jesus and they were made whole. When Jesus touches a person, they are born again. And it's the problem is in the blood, as I will show you in a few moments. It is our blood transfusion that we need. We need the blood of Jesus that cleanses from all sin to come into our bodies and take the infirmities out of our life and definitely affect every area of our life. But these guys... When they were healed, they could see it, they knew it, and everything about them showed. But now, this is the main point of this whole illustration of this text. There's a third phase of healing that nine of the ten did not understand. If you read very, very carefully... There's something that must take place if you're going to have total and complete health in 2014 and the rest of your life. There has to be a personal relationship between the healed and the healer. Amen. Only one out of ten understood that. There was one out of ten that realized, I'm thankful for my new body. I'm thankful that my friends, we can get together and we're not ostracized anymore. But wait, Jesus touched us. I must go back to him and thank him. 
Not go off and to riotous living. Not go back and party, party, party. Now I can get back with the, with the world. No, now I can have a personal walk with Jesus. And I must go say thank you. You see, this is where we miss it, folks. We want to be healed. We want to be changed. We want our families brought back together, our relationships brought back together. We want our physical bodies to be healed. We want to mentally start thinking right. We want our attitude to be right. We want anger and bitterness and envy and all of those things away. But we don't want to have a personal relationship with the one that can make all that happen. We feel like it's just a, a quick thing. Just do it for me. Heal this one, heal this one, do this, do that. And away we go. Many will not even come back to be baptized. You watch the, the tears in the baptistry this morning. Watch every time people come there. What are they doing? Jesus said, I want you, you've repented. Now I want you to be baptized because I want you to proclaim to all of your friends Oftentimes, people will shout and holler out of the crowd because of friend. That's okay. That's okay. That's what it's all about. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, but those tears are pouring down their face. And as a husband and wife stands there, you wonder, what is this doing for their marriage? What's it doing for their family? What is it doing for the hope that they have for the future? And they said, Jesus, I don't understand all about this, but I know one thing. I do know that I want the world to know I've been buried with Christ in baptism unto death and I'm raised to walk in a brand new life and you are my Lord and Savior from this day forward. That's what it means. That's what it means. When we say, come back and serve, serve with the children, serve as a greeter, mow the grass, do whatever. What are we saying? Come back and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. You've blessed me. I will not take for granted my new life in you. I know now I can see better when I start to pick a husband, pick a wife, pick a vocation. When I decide those very important things in my life, you, you said that you won't leave me and you won't forsake me, so I'm going to walk with you. One came back. You see, before you choose your lifestyle, you need to consult the scriptures as to what God wants, how God wants his children to live. This is the book for healthy living. Before you tell people what you think about something, find out what God thinks about it. See, that's, that's the difference in the one and the nine in our story. Whenever we look at the scripture, we see one returned. One, one out of ten returned. He had been physically healed. Now he thought differently. I'm no longer an outcast. But that relationship with God had to be confirmed. It moved the heart of Jesus when that one came up to him. It moved it so much. Look at the 17th verse at this powerful, 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 thought-provoking question. Jesus asking it. Were there not ten? Have I gotten so old I've forgotten how many were here? I thought there were ten. Where are the nine? God is in heaven this morning asking. Thank God that you're here today. The Bible says upon the Sabbath day to come aside, 
And forsake not the, the assembling of yourself to the gather as a manner of some is. But so the more as you see the coming of the Lord. Thank God you are here. And thank God other churches have people worshiping today. But you know what the question is? Where are the nine? Because you see, 90% of those that claim to be Christian, I will guarantee you, are not in any house of worship anywhere on this planet called Earth. Where are they? They're counted. They're Christians. So they think. Where are the nine? And look what Jesus told the guy. The 19th verse. Very personal. Arise. Go your way. Your faith has made you whole. End. He didn't talk about the other nine. He's finished. He just had a question. Where are they? He said, I'm going to tell you about you. You closed the deal. Body, soul, and spirit. We now are in a right relationship. You said thank you. You've expressed your gratitude. You have said, I'm changing my path. I'm not going with the crowd anymore. I'm going to follow you with a grateful heart. There's no more beautiful picture of what it means in the Bible to follow the Lord than these. All the physical is very important. The Bible says we're the temple of God. The soul, the mind, very important. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. As a man thinketh, so is he. I mean, that's very important. But the spirit is the most important. This one out of the nine got total healing. He went beyond the, the obvious, I want these sores gone and I want friends again. He said, I want to have a relationship with you. Why don't you ask that for 2014? Why, why don't you, instead of asking, where's the crowd going to go on Sunday? Where am I most likely to have a personal time with God? Not only on Sunday, but on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. What a difference it could make. We have to leave the body and soul for another day. But let me just quickly wrap up and tell you, the Bible lays it all out from the beginning of Genesis chapter 1. Over in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, here's what it says. God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. That word image we're made in the image of God. God is a spiritual being. We worship him in spirit. We worship him in truth. There's a spiritual God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. We're made in that image. We're to have a relationship with the Son, a relationship with the Spirit, a relationship with the Father. That's the way we were made. God put, us in a, put man in a perfect environment and said, look, look at all the things that I have made. He made all of these things, and he said, they're good, they're good, they're good, they're good. Read it there in the third chapter. Then he comes down, and he makes man. And as he makes man, and he says at the end of the six days, it's very good. Now I've got someone to fellowship with. Now I've got somebody to have a relationship with me. I'm sorry, God does not have the same relationship with your pet that he has with you. God made us in his likeness in order that we could experience him in a powerful, personal, revolutionary, exciting way while the world is struggling with the affairs of this life. 
God wants us and we need him. John 4, 24, God is the spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. But look what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, 14. But the natural man, listen, but the natural man receives not the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. They don't understand. Most of the people you know have no comprehension about what I'm talking about right now, about a spiritual relationship with a holy God. That you can know that God personally. He can walk with you and talk with you. He can speak into your life in the most difficult times that you will ever walk. When our body, our soul, our spirit are in one accord, we can experience what we refer to as total health. When they're not, it, we experience stress, disease, broken relationships. We become very concerned about we're, we're not a success. I want to be noticed. I've got to be seen. I've got to do something so people notice me, talk to me, accept me into their group, whatever it takes. But when you come to that moment of experiencing total health, here's what you've come to realize. What you've come to realize is, Romans 8, 6, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. What a change. If you go back to Genesis 3, 1, God said, to Adam and Eve, don't you eat that fruit. In verse 4, Satan comes along and says, it won't hurt you. In verse 6, Adam and Eve ate the fruit. God said, if you eat the fruit, you're going to die. They ate the fruit. Did Adam and Eve die physically? No. Read the rest of the book. They didn't die physically. But hold on. They died spiritually. They died spiritually. Now stick with me for just another moment. Not only did they die spiritually that day, I died spiritually that day, and you died spiritually that day. You came into this world spiritually dead. There was never a moment in your life when you hungered for God in your birth. You wanted every sin you could get your hands on. You'd snatch a kid's toy away from them when they were 18 months old. Steal their bottle, lie about marking on the wall, and do everything else. You could pick up a bad word just like that. Good words it took you 20 years to learn, like thank you, yes ma'am, please forgive me, may I. I mean, those come hard, 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 hard. I'm not putting you down, I'm just like you. But get the point. God gave him a perfect world. He couldn't, he couldn't blame the environment. Adam and Eve, could, he couldn't blame his parents. He had perfect parents, good gracious. I mean, he didn't have a leg to stand on, did he? He had to just accept the fact. Satan came into his life, and for one time, and listen, folks, it doesn't take but one time for Satan to con you, and you make one mistake, and you'll suffer for it for the rest of your life. That young man that took that's life hit that tree on the first day of this year. He didn't have a second chance. 
his physical life is over. But let me tell you something. Nobody has total physical health. We are dying daily. It is appointed unto man once to die. We talk about how old we are. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. You know, God loves you. That's good to know because every birthday, you're one year closer to death. So try counting them from the other end. See how happy, happy, happy it is. Okay, you see what I'm saying? But the point is, when you are spiritually healthy, you shall never die. This old thing, you betcha. We wear it out, throw it away. We'll have a new body. But we can know God in this life and enjoy him, this body. Here's what, here's what you should want for your health. I want my body to glorify God. That's perfect health. Lord, whatever you want. If I live, I live unto the Lord. This is what Paul said. If I die, I die unto the Lord. If I live or I die, I'm your Lord. I'm the Lord. It does not make any difference. And when we come to the end, Jesus tells us what we need. In John 3, 5, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water, that's, that's physical birth, and of the Spirit, he shall not enter the kingdom of God. You must be born again. Now, many of you have never heard that term, you must be born again. You say, the church I go to does not use that word. Doesn't matter what word the church uses, it's what the scripture said. Jesus said, you must be born again. You've got to die to the old life of, the, of just being physical and mental. You've got to accept Christ in your life. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, and all things become new. As we're in the process of dying, 2 Corinthians 4, 16, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, that's this, the inward man is being renewed day by day. Young people, that's the reason a lot of times old people write songs that are entitled, The Longer I Serve Him, The Sweeter He Grows. That's the reason they write songs like, it just keeps, he keeps getting better and better. He keeps on turning it on. The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows, you betcha. Never will you find an old person that's walked with God and says, I wish that I wouldn't have met God till I was 80. But rather they say, thanks to Calvary, as a little boy, as a little girl, I met Jesus Christ. Old things passed away, and I was able to think for myself because the mind of God, not the mind of other people, not the mind of other people, but the mind of God, the heart of God, the love of God, the eternal life of God is in me because I invited him to do so. God had a plan for you before you were ever born. He wrote this to Jeremiah. He could have written it to you or to me. Here's what he said to Jeremiah. First chapter, verse 5. He said, before I formed you in the belly of your mother, I knew you. Before you came out of the womb, I sanctified you. And I ordained you a prophet unto the nations. You see, God has a plan for you. God's got a plan. Do you know what that plan is? Have you bought into that plan? 
Have you just said, you know, like the little lady said this morning, the first time she ever heard the gospel, intelligent, incredible lady. And she would not walk out of the room until she said, I want that Jesus in my life. First time to ever hear it, the gospel. God has promised his people, if they'll love him, keep his commandments. He'll bless them more than all the people upon the earth. And Deuteronomy said to his people, Keep therefore and do them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding. In the sight of the nations, which shall hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what nation is there so great who has God so near to them? As the Lord our God is in all things, that we call upon him for. What are you looking for today? He's a supply. What do you need today? Philippians 4, 19, My God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. As we close, I want to read to you. Last week as I was working on my message, my beautiful Beth sitting down here on the front row studies her Bible before I get up in the morning. She came in and she said, I want to read something to you, honey. And she read to me three Psalms. And as she was reading this one, I, I could just hear God saying for me to close and give you what I got this week. It just kind of helped me put this all together. I'd already had what I was going to say, but I said, this is a good consummation to it. This is David. This is what David says. Take this home with you. Psalm 139, verse 7. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me. Thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to me, for, thou, for to, to thee. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. How did he ever come to that? Tough life growing up. Tough dealing with the opposite sex. Tough in handling the real problems of life. And he fell. But one day, he became totally healed because he came into a spiritual relationship and said, Father, remember me. Create me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me, Psalm 51, and restore unto me the joy of my salvation. That's for you, folks. That's for you. I don't know what you got for Christmas. Some people got saved over Christmas. Others should have and didn't. I do want you to know, as I, I told you during Christmas, there, there is no shipping fee. The gift has already come. It was delivered at Bethlehem. It's available to you today. Whosoever will may come. But you'll never, ever, 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 ever have a happy life until you come back to the one that gave you life. And that's God the Father who formed you in your mother's womb before she even knew she was pregnant. God knew and had a plan and asked that God into your life.
That's the new birth. Why don't you do that today? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm going to ask only those that are going to, to the Connection Center to pray with people that are coming there to go. But everyone else, please be very still. We're going to sing one verse. We're out. You remember to come get your Bible over here in the hospitality room. But in the Connection Center, this big lobby that's back this side of the main lobby where the public will be going. If you will walk out the door to my right and turn left or the door to my left and turn right, there will be people there to pray with you and talk with you answer your questions and to share some things with you that will really, really help you. We want you to get the little book, The Commandments of Jesus. We want you to have time to pray, but this is your call. God's not a beggar. He's a king. He's a king of kings, and he's a lord of lords. He will not beg you, but he's sure touch when you come to him of your own volition. If you want to come to the Lord, who's through his blood, can make you whole and complete the deal and invite him into your life, then you can do that right now. Dear God, I pray you'll bless us now as we sing. You and you alone know what the rest of this day holds. But would you not allow Satan to divert any decision that is about to be made for your glory? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.